It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10, 5, victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. 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 Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt. Dallas Scout was insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, the radio flagship home of the Cowboys. Joined, as always, by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, uh, Monday through Friday. And we are joined by the most popular guest request on this show. And I, I for the love of God, I can't figure out why. Uh, it's Fox Sports' own television superstar, Mr. Hollywood, David Hellman. What's up, Dave? People always say Hollywood, but like L.A. is a big city. I don't even know if I've been to Hollywood in the whole time I've been out here, but it's wonderful to hear y'all's voices. Thanks for having me on. It's just fun to call you Hollywood Hellman. I just think it works like it flows with. Your I know I, I, I get it. I get it. But, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's fine. Whatever. Call me whatever you want. Well, uh, I know, Brian, you were on the pre- and post-game show yesterday. Uh, I was uh, in L.A. I was at SoFi, or actually it's technically Inglewood. I was in Inglewood at SoFi, uh, as was David Hellman. He was up there in the press box hanging out. Um, Brian, your your initial takeaway uh, from this game, and then, uh, Dave, I, I want to hear what your thoughts were coming out of this one. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing the fact that um, the Rams look the way that they do. You know, and, and I really, I'm one of those guys that, uh, you know, on this show was feeling like the desperate team theory would, you know, it would help them in this particular game. But, you know, when the Cowboys find a way to have a hundred yards passing, make up the game really in the running game, but play just tremendous defense. And that's, that's been the calling card and that's been the recipe. And, and Dave will appreciate this. Uh, after week one, it was, when are you guys going to have the draft show? When are we going to start the draft show and all those things? And, you know, here we are with the, the the Cowboys and the Eagles and a matchup coming up here Sunday night for the, the, the division lead. But it's been amazing, this, this defense, the way it has played, uh, the fact that they were able to hold the Rams and check the way they were, the pressure they put on. Uh, opposing offenses uh, it's it's really a it's a, kind of an old school way of playing football but it's been very effective with this quarterback playing for them so uh, you know good for them tip of the cap I don't give uh, Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn those guys uh, enough enough credit Joe Philbin as well uh, for how they've been able to manage a very difficult situation for them Dave you know, the funny thing, and I got all of the same draft show tweets that you did, Brian, uh, back after the Bucks game. But the funny thing is, like, I was, I was right there with them. 
I mean, like, how do you how do you watch that game? And even though like the defense played pretty well against Tampa Bay, but even even in light of that, like how did you watch that game and think that this was anything but a lost season after Dak got hurt? Like the Bucks ran for like a hundred plus yards. They didn't score a ton of touchdowns, but they drove the field when they needed to. Like the defense looked solid, but not amazing. So I, I was right there with everyone else. I was like, this team is so screwed. Uh, and the way that they have really responded to that is nothing short of amazing. And, and my big thing coming out of yesterday, I think everybody knew the pass rush was going to get after Matthew Stafford. I mean, the Rams have had a problem with that all year. The Bills did it. The Niners did it. Now the Cowboys have done it. That part wasn't surprising. What I thought was really impressive was the Rams hit him for a couple of, like, huge plays. Obviously, the 2-2 Atwell completion and then the Cooper Cup touchdown, you know, we haven't seen that so much during this win streak of, like, teams just completely gashing them for these 50, 60, 70-yard gains. And it still didn't matter um, because of how overall solid they were able to play and how much they were able to get after Stafford, force turnovers, get him on the ground. Uh, and then, I mean, I would I would say it was the worst day of offense since Cooper Rush took over overall. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I thought was really impressive uh, the the Cooper the Cooper Cup score put the Rams up uh, ten to nine, I believe. Yep. And then it took the Cowboys all of what three plays to retake the lead. I mean, they only trailed for ninety seconds. Obviously, the bulk of that credit goes to Tony Pollard and the offensive line, but the quickness and the efficiency with which they were able to answer, I thought was amazing. Uh, Cause typically when you dominate the way that they were and don't take advantage of it, and then the Rams throw a haymaker like that, a lesser team could kind of get sideways when they face some adversity like that. The Cowboys just very calmly and coolly retook the lead in three plays. I thought that was really impressive. So, um, yeah, that that was the worst the offenses has played in this in this four game stretch. But at the same time, it was the best win of this four game stretch, in my opinion. David, do you think that this offensive staff has learned anything from having Cooper Rush as its quarterback the last four weeks that can apply to when Dak comes back? You know, likely against Detroit. I would like to think so. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if they're good coaches, like you're supposed to put your team in the best possible situation and you're supposed to learn from your successes and your failures, I would like to think so. And that's not to say, like, obviously, I, I think there's things Dak Prescott can do that Cooper Rush can't. I think you have more of the playbook available to you with Dak in the lineup. But I also think so many of the Cowboys' problems in the in the recent past on offense have come when Dak presses and tries to do too much. Like, and, and he said, he says that he says it, he said it all through the second half of last year where, you know, I, I got too greedy. I did this. I, you know, I, I pressed, I tried to force something that wasn't necessarily there. I think if anything, this has shown you that you don't need to do that. Uh, so I think, I mean, that's a lesson for Dak to learn. I think that's also a lesson for the coaching staff to learn. Um, so I, I would, I would like to think so. And then on top of that, the fact that, you know, even when he's ready to play, you have to assume he's not going to be operating at 100% capacity. So um, I think it would be a big mistake to try to try to do too much too soon 
um, because I'm sure that thumb's not going to be feeling all the way the way it's supposed to right away, you know? Dave, when you look at the way the Stephens played, and, and I mean, they were really, really good in the second half of last year. Um, they, they were one of the top defenses in the NFL in the second half of 2021. But it, a lot of it was, it, it was still a finesse style of football. Like, like they kind of mirrored the offense in, in that, you know, it was all kind of like pin your ears back and rush, you know, gamble, takeaways. That's not really the way the defense is winning this year. They're, they're more just on a snap-by-snap basis, just it seems like dominating opponents. Um, and it's with a lot of the same personnel having you having been here last year, 2021, and then, you know, all through training camp, you're with the team. And then, and now you've watched them go into the regular season. What to you is, is the difference there in terms of the way that the defense is seemingly leveled up? Do you, do you think there's a player that you look at and go like, okay, there it is. That guy playing at this level and doing this has, has made this defense a game changer, or do you think it's just everybody kind of coalescing, coming together and, and working on that chemistry for a second year. I think, I think all of that stuff can apply. Uh, I mean, like, I think you can find an example of everything you just talked about. Like for one, I think you're seeing some leveling up. Like I think Micah Parsons is a better player now than he was last year all the way around. I think a big one for me is Dorrance Armstrong. Um, like he's like, he's, I mean, he's, he's so much better than I gave him credit for. Um, then you look at uh, you look at a name that comes to mind is Malik Hooker. Like everybody wants to talk about Donovan Wilson, and he's done that as well. But Malik Hooker is in year two, coming off of his Achilles tear. Everybody in the world says that that's when you really start to feel like yourself again. And lo and behold, like he's playing fantastic. He's making great hits, but on top of that, he's covering half the field and making you know sliding interceptions of Matthew Stafford. He wasn't doing stuff like that at this time last year. Uh, and then I think another part of it is what the talent on this defense enables everybody else to do. Like, not to take any credit away, but are Demarcus Lawrence and Dorrance Armstrong feasting the way that they are if Micah Parsons isn't scaring the hell out of everybody? Like, mm-hmm. if your offense isn't completely keyed on Parsons, are Armstrong and Lawrence wrecking games the way that they've seen? Is Micah Parsons as good at rushing the passer if Anthony Barr and Leighton Vander Esch aren't holding down the off-ball spots as well as they have been. I think that's a big part of it is you're not really giving a ton up at linebacker by asking Micah to rush as much as he has. Um, things like, like I, I think all of that stuff goes in tandem. The same thing for the interior line. Like Again, like is the interior as successful if Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons and guys like that aren't draw, drawing double teams? So, um and then, on, and then on top of that, the depth. I mean, you know, to, to be able to weather losing J-Ron Curse for three, four weeks, uh, stuff like that's really impressive. So I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, just having, A, having like three or four studs on this defense that are capable of wrecking a game plan. And then on top of that, everybody else kind of elevating their play to fill in around them. Dave, do we owe this front office an apology for the thoughts that we had about them when the season started and then after the Tampa game? Um, yes, but also no. I mean, like it, 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 we don't. Let's put it this way: there are things we can apologize for. Like again, we can apologize and say, okay, maybe there was more of a vision there than we thought. Maybe having Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler, and Anthony Barr in totality is better than having Randy Gregory. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 
for the record, Randy Gregory's leading the NFL in pass rush success rate or was before he got hurt. So it's not as if that's a no-brainer. But, like, you can sit there and say, okay, the vision for that was there. But I also, and I've done this enough times, like, I'm not ready to just completely write the book on the Cowboys season in week six. Like, that's not how this works. And I say that to say, what were some of the other things we killed the Cowboys for? Their receiver core, what they didn't do on the offensive line. Well, the Cowboys ran the ball really well yesterday, but the pass protection was a little iffy. And also, part of the reason their passing game struggled so much was two gigantic drops because this is a thin receiver core. So, yes, I'm ready to admit that I was wrong about some things, but I'm also sitting here saying I'm not completely convinced that everything is all gravy here. I, I think you are going to run into some opponents that can take advantage of your lack of depth on the offensive line. And you are certainly going to run into some opponents that can take your options in the passing game away. Uh, so a little, a little bit of both. Like I, I can admit that the Cowboys had better vision than I did on something, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. But really I think, I think we're so happy and excited that things are working well with Cooper Rush in there and that's great but it changes your expectations right well we're getting close to the time where Dak Prescott's going to be back in there at some point and you're going to have the expectation that this is an offense that can score 27 28 30 at least on a somewhat consistent basis and I'm not sure that they have the personnel to do that as consistently as they're going to need to now it definitely helps that you have a defense that might make that irrelevant. But again, it's a long season and you're going to have to beat some good teams to get where you want to go. So I'm putting a pin in that for the time being. Okay, then I'll ask you this question, David. The Which has a better chance, offensive improvement or defensive uh, regression? Oh, so, I mean... And as long, I mean, I, I, I think health is the only thing that can really make this defense regress. Like, what's, what's going to change about being unblockable and, um, and having a secondary that can paper over some of those mistakes in the meantime? Um, and yeah, I mean, they're going to play some teams with good offensive lines, but I don't know. That, that stuff doesn't just disappear overnight, especially when you have versatile players like Micah Parsons, where again, it's not like, well, what were we supposed to do? They had a really great right tackle. He took Mike out of the game. No, like Micah Parsons should be scheme proof. Um, and, and they're not even really, I know, I mean, they, they got takeaways against the Rams, but they haven't really been generating takeaways at the level we got used to. So, uh, no, I, I worry way more about the offense. I apologize for that siren y'all hear in the background. I mean, it's, it, it is Los Angeles. A lot of murder around there, David. I totally get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a big, <laughs> dangerous city. Exactly. Last question for you here. Um, Dak Prescott, obviously, I think everybody agrees with, this team's better with Dak Prescott in the lineup. Dak back healthy and, and operating. I mean, it remains to be seen how he fits into this offense right now. We only got to see him for a single game. But – when he's back healthy, where do you think this team stacks up in the NFC right now? I mean, you have to say that the Bucks are better. That's just how that works. The Bucks kicked their ass when Dak was healthy. Um, and I'm like, you know, I wish, I really wish Dak was going to play against the Eagles. I guess, I guess it's possible, but I really, really doubt it. Um, I think, I think you have to give the nod to the Eagles right now, just because they're so complete. 
They just, you know, they, they, they do not have as glaring of a weakness as the Cowboys do. I think the Cowboys rush the passer a little bit better, but the Eagles are just stronger across the board from one end to the other. So I'd say Tampa and Philly for sure. But really, like, I don't think, we'll put it this way, I don't think you can definitively put anybody else above them. I think you could make a case for Minnesota. You could make a case for San Francisco. Um, but I don't think you can say that definitively. I guess maybe maybe I lean toward the Niners because what they did to the Cowboys last year in the playoffs <laughs> sure, yeah. are mostly the same. Um, so, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll say – I'll say Tampa and Philly definitively, and then I give a nod towards San Francisco. But really, it, it's not a ton of other people other than that. You can catch uh, David Hellman no longer on uh, DallasCowboys.com, instead over on Fox Sports. And uh, every day on, uh, it's FS1, correct, David? Sure is. FS1, uh, it would be 3.30 Central Time if you're over in that part of the country. and I appreciate it. 3.30 Central Time. Watch Dave uh, valiantly defend uh, all the correct takes about the Dallas Cowboys um, because it's tough out there on, on the national scene, and Dave's doing it. Uh, we love you, Davey. Thanks, man. I love you all. Anytime, fellas. Appreciate it. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. I thank you again to David Hellman for joining us here. Uh, it was great to see Hellman out at the stadium in Los Angeles. My my only regret was that he and I didn't have time to go to Boomer Jacks, Brian. Mm. I, I need to make sure that we get David Hellman back visiting Dallas, uh, specifically on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, you know, because they got half price wings. Tuesday, it's bone-in wings. Tu- Wednesday, it is boneless wings, which, uh, as I've made clear here on the podcast, I-, I will tell you guys, I don't like making a big deal out of this. I don't like saying it publicly. Not a fan of boneless wings at first. I thought they were childless or, or like childish sauced nuggets. Uh, but Boomer Jacks has made me a convert. I now like both boneless and bone in wings. So Tuesday and Wednesday, I am there at Boomer Jacks for the half price wings and the cold beer, wall to wall TVs, live music. It is an incredible atmosphere. 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian. Uh, Let's take a look back a little more in depth at this uh, 22 to 10 victory for the Cowboys over the Rams. Um, I think that we're progressively seeing, at least in my own opinion, and I don't want to be a total Debbie Downer and throw a wet blanket on everything, but I think it's just the reality of the situation that needs to be discussed. The, The standards and the expectations are elevating. And so we need to talk about where they're maybe not meeting them right now so that they can progress forward as a contender. Um, progressively i think you're seeing this offense struggling more and more i know you watched the tape today i watched the game back today are you seeing that anything is changing here are are defenses changing the way they're trying to play cooper rush or trying to force the cowboys to do some different things and or, or is this just a matter of cooper rush isn't playing as well as he was like maybe the first week and not that he's been playing you know like an all world player but but he's been solid and and he's not made a bunch of mistakes, but 
are teams adjusting to them and how sustainable is this offensive output if the Cowboys want to be Super Bowl contenders? Well, you know, it's really about the defense right now. And, you know, that's that's the lot that they've been cast. And for the last four weeks, they've made it work. And to much to our surprise, uh, we're sitting here right now with uh, an opportunity to, you know, get the lead in the division uh, against a, a Philadelphia Eagle team. I think that's played very well um, where I think that where Cooper Rush, there's been some issues but there's been things that haven't been under his control. Uh, you know, yesterday in that football game, he threw two really good passes that were dropped that yeah. would have kept drives going. Uh, a third down pass uh, to CeeDee Lamb that was dropped. Uh, then Michael Gallup, uh, the first pass he drops, but comes back with a spectacular catch later on. And then they also get a holding call on a third and one play, uh, you know, and so that, that was one of those times where you're going like, man, here they are. They're, they're trying to keep a drive going, you know, good throws while you get the good play call. And then Hendershot gets called for holding at the point of attack. And now, you know, you're in a situation then afterwards we have to punt. And so, I think Cooper Rush is playing probably as well as Cooper Rush can play. I, I don't, I, I'm, you know, the, the yards and all that, it's not great, but more importantly, I think Cooper Rush is not turning the ball over. Like you said, and I think that's the thing that's been the most impressive right now. He's tried to throw interceptions, but you know, teams have gotten penalties or uh, along the way or something's happened where they, you know, haven't, or they've dropped them or, you know, it's just, it's the way it's been right now. I, I don't think you can open it up anymore. They, when they open it up, it's max protection and let it fly. It's worked on a couple of different opportunities, but I think Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy are doing this very smartly right now because they're saying we've got a defense that's not going to give up points and if we just don't mess it up, we can win this game. We will win it on special teams. Brett Maher could kick 50-yard field goals. Uh, you know, we've, we're, we're going to maybe block a punt. You know, we're going to do things to, to make this work, block a field goal, block extra points. Whatever they have to do, they're going to do special teams-wise. And I, I think that they're, they're really playing to the strength of their defense and Cooper Cup's okay with that. Excuse me, Cooper Cup. Cooper Rush is okay with that. You know, the way he's playing, he's not trying to, like, play hero ball. And, you know, those are the things when you look at Dak, maybe there was a little bit of some hero ball there. You know, and I, I just wonder one day if we're going to hear early, you know, in the season with that first game, how many, how many times did Dak check out of runs? And when Dak gets back, is the offense going to be like what we've seen? Now, I'd like to believe it's going to be better with Dak playing and throwing, but is Dak going to be more willing to say, let me commit to a run here. Let me commit to another run. Let me commit to that third run here. You know, and is, and is Kellen Moore going to call a game that way? I, I think that I think along the way, that's why I asked Dave, I think along the way they've learned that maybe less is more 
than you know than what they were doing and asking Dak to do a lot of things. They've got a defense that can carry this team. They just need a quarterback that can get them, you know, can get them 24 to 28 points every week. You know, you get something like that, then I think you're in great shape. Let's think back to the the Tampa game. And I don't mean the Tampa game from the beginning of this year. I mean the one in 2021. Yeah. Where they used short passes as their running game. Um, and and then they, they took a few shots down the field, but they were really moving the ball efficiently that day. And, and it, it felt like that was a lot of the method early on last season um, that they thought they could work in the short to intermediate areas with Dak, take shots when they needed to take advantage of those things. Um, is that the, when Dak comes back, would you like to see Dak running the Cooper rush offense or is that still, if they were to run a version of it similar to what they ran against Tampa Bay early last year and the, th- the things they did early last year, is that maybe more of the sweet spot where you're still allowing the quarterback to win you more reps on, on a snap-by-snap basis, but also still limiting the potential for hero ball? Yeah, I you know I think the thing that Dak, when he sits in that room with the other quarterbacks and Doug Nussmeyer and they watch how the game's being played, you know, I – you know, it's not like I see Cooper Rush miss wide open guys. You know, it's not like when Cooper Rush has had to make third down throws, I've seen it be pretty effective. And, you know, the thing with Cooper Rush is his he's just not going to throw it into a crowd of people. You know, and that's a little bit, I think, of what you got from Dak. And I, I think that that's – I think it's going to be hard for Dak. But I think just being able to watch – and and kind of get an understanding like, okay, I don't have to throw it there. I don't have to throw it there. I could run right here or I could, you know, uh, I, you know, it's been very effective. And I know last week against the commanders, it wasn't easy running the ball. Sure. But, but you know, like we talked about on our show, how do you attack the Rams? Run the ball right at them. You know, and I, I think there's going to be some days where, the game plan's going to be, yeah, just run the ball. I mean, I would have been okay if they would have just not thrown the pass at all. You know, just keep okay. running. Keep, yeah, just keep running, keep running. and Because the Rams weren't going to do anything to you. The Rams offensively were not going to do anything to you. Yeah. You know, and I, especially that last drive, I was sitting in the studio with Zach Wolchuk, and I'm like, run it, run it again, run it again. Just keep running it. You know, you're going to demoralize these guys. And – I think that there's going to be important time. I think this offensive line is getting better. Um, you know, it, will it be even? Well, I think with Dak, if there are some problems with the line, I think Dak is good enough to avoid and you know extend the play a little bit better than what Cooper Rush is. So, I hope that they, I hope that they realize that you know the simplistic being simplistic about the game and the approach might yeah. be the best path especially with the way this uh, this defense is playing. You don't turn over the ball. you got a shot with this defense. You really, really do. I don't know. So I was doing – I'm working on an article right now, and I'm hoping we can talk about it later this week because um, I'm doing some research for it right now. But, uh, you know, I, I was looking at, okay, how has, has this offense performed when Dak's been healthy? And I don't even just mean – like, like, I mean, just when he's played, like, like he hasn't missed games, even if he's been banged up or he's not 
playing really well, like in the second half of last year. And it was amazing. You go back and look, uh, 2019, in those games when Dak played, the Cowboys were number one in the NFL in total offense. In the five games he played in 2020, over those five weeks, the Cowboys were the number one team in the NFL in total offense. 2021, again, number one team in the NFL in total offense. During Since midway of 2018, by week 2018, which is when he really started to step up, through today, uh, over the course of that time, they're, I believe, fifth in the NFL in turnover rate when Dak plays. So that's, I guess, what I'm having a hard time reconciling, is that we see that they can be so prolific and, and that they don't turn over the ball a lot. And so doesn't it feel like even if you're trying to limit mistakes and and you don't, you you know, you want to lean on a running game that can help you, you know, stretch these games out a little bit, give the the defense a rest and then let them come on the field and dominate. Doesn't it feel like you are leaving opportunity on the table, though? uh, Yeah, you are. But but like the last two weeks and we, you know, we talked about this, this officiating crew they just had, Bill Vinovich, they weren't going to call penalties. But look what oh. the yeah, look what the last two weeks though. The Cowboys have been very efficient when it comes to penalties. You know, yeah. and the one thing that I've kind of noticed when you watch the Cowboys is when they when they get a penalty and that stops themselves. They 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 it's not always the opponent, it's penalties, it's unforced errors, drops. You know, those are the things that slow this offense down. It's it's not you know, it's not always the mistakes when it comes to turnovers. It's the penalties. The penalties can, you know, that penalties cause this team a lot of problems because with, you know, with Cooper Rush, they get behind the chains and, you know, they, they can't function as well. But with Dak, you know, that was a team at one time, they would get penalties and then Dak would be at first and 20. Next thing you know, it's a first down. You know, they have that kind of capability. But um, I just – Again, I I feel like they're doing a great job. They really are of just protecting the ball and and not taking those chances. But with Dak, I think you can take some chances. But I'm not saying be reckless. You know, sure. you know, if there's some if there's if you want to max protect and take a shot down the field like you did with Cooper Rush, by all means, you want to max protect and throw a a deep in cut route. You know, by all means, you know do those things. I mean, they're, they're actually the last two weeks, you know, they've won games without Dalton Schultz even being a factor. I know he's banged up. They did. They didn't even, they did not target a receiver. They didn't target a running back all day yesterday. It, yeah. was, it was targets to three receivers and one to Dalton Schultz. That that's was it. it. That's it. Yeah. So you know what? That's you're, probably not the greatest way to play, but it just goes back to this defense. It goes yeah. back to how good they are. But you know, you're probably going to – the defense might be, you know, let's hope they're not in for a clunker. You know, let's you know, let's hope that they continue to, you know, play at a very, very high level. And like David Hellman says, I he's anticipating, you know, I, he goes, unless something happens health-wise, you know, he can sense – he sees this defense, you know, continuing on the path they are. And if that's the case, then Dak Prescott needs to come in here, protect the football. They need to be disciplined on the penalties. But when they get the opportunity to make some plays where it's run the football or hit one of these receivers or tight ends, they need to take advantage of that. What's the, in your opinion, what is the best version of Dak Prescott that we've seen before? 21, it- 21 of 27 for 262 yards and two touchdowns. Well, well here you go. An era then. When's an era where you think we saw the best? Was it 
2019 with Kitna? Was it the rookie year with the running game? Was it the first, those five games of 2020 before he broke his ankle? What, what air, like, like year do you think Dak looked the best? You know, I think the, I think the pre broken ankle was when he was really starting to find his, you know, find his groove throwing the football and reading. That guy right there. Yeah. How do, how do you get that back? Is that scheme? How do you get that back for this defense? Is that scheme? Is it personnel? Was there personnel involved that isn't here anymore? So he can't be that guy. How how do we get that version of Dak Prescott? I, I think, I think that, you know, Let's week one, you know, we, we had a lot of questions about this offensive line with all the injuries, you know, they've now played together. They're going to be, you know, by the time Dak gets back, this group is going to been together for what, six weeks yep. now playing together. And, and I think along the way they've improved I thought, you know, Connor McGovern did a heck of a job. I know you're asking me about Dak Prescott, but the, the, the tape showed Connor McGovern had a really nice game, you know, against uh, Aaron Donald and, you know, you got some guys that are playing pretty well. Terrence Steele, who I've had big concerns of, playing pretty well. So I think Dak benefits from this offensive line, you know, coming together a little bit. Uh, I think it benefits from Zeke and Pollard and the ability to how they are to run and how they're interchangeable and how Kellen Moore's using them. I think they benefit from young blocking tight ends, uh, and he'll benefit from that. But now you got to fool the wide receivers. You got, you know, you got the guys, you know, you've got a Noah Brown on the rise, you know, Michael Gallup coming back, looking good, you know, with the play that, you know, he made, you know, you wish he had made the catch, you know, the other one, but, yeah. you know, and then see him. I think you made a great point, by the way. I think Gallup driving that, I don't think he had quite the awareness of where the sideline was. I don't think he, the way he looked like he, it looked like he was trying to kind of body catch it and then get both feet down. And so I didn't, I don't think he was very aware and he's really yeah. got really great awareness. But I think Dak benefits from the fact that this team, when he's been out, has won games, but they've grown as an offense. It, the numbers, the numbers aren't great, but if it, the numbers are great when you start to talk about like running the football and you know getting some guys involved. But it's not showing up on the scoreboard. You know, it's not showing up with points. But you know, I think with Dak, you'll probably sustain more drives because I think his ability to move around and buy a second chance. Uh, you know, but he's got to be very, very aware of not turning over that ball. And that's what that's why Cooper Rush has won these games. He just does not turn the ball over. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it is time to jump to our favorite segment of the show. It is the listener mailbag. Uh, we solicit your questions on Twitter. You can send them to me, at BobbyBeltTX, or to Brian, at Brian Broaddus. And uh, if you just want to email them to me, you can send them to bobby.belt at odyssey.com. But before we do that, this podcast only exists not because of our great, not just because of our great listeners. It's also because of our great sponsors like Boomer Jacks. Uh, Boomer Jacks, let me tell you, that is my spot on Tuesday and Wednesday nights now because – for the longest time, that was a void in my life in the fall during football season because I had football on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It was perfect. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, I was left me feeling so empty. But not any longer. I feel full because I have wings from Boomer Jacks. They have half-price wing specials. Tuesday, it's bone-in wings. Wednesday, it is boneless wings. So whatever your flavor is, they got the hookup for you. It is the perfect spot for whatever social outing you're looking for, whether it's family or, or friends or happy hour with coworkers. Boomer Jacks is the spot for absolutely ice-cold beer and great wing specials. 
You can check them out at boomerjacks.com and they will have a list of the 17 DFW locations so you can find yours. Once again, that is at boomerjacks.com. Brian brought us first question for you here from today. Yes, and uh, I think this is a good question, especially with what's coming up next week. Mm. Uh, the Eagles. How big of an adjustment will the D line have to make to stay in their gaps and contain a running quarterback? Is it about less stunts, potentially more blitzing? How do they handle that? Yeah, I you know the we need to see the injury report too for the Eagles because they might be a little banged up along that offensive a line. A lot of banged up. And yeah, else I can't remember. So yeah, I, I you know that's going to be a real uh, a real key going forward. Uh, you know the health of their offensive line. I think you have to be very mindful. Uh, there used to be Rod Marinello used to talk about making a quarterback throw from the well, and he yep. always talked about it when he played Russell Wilson. Because Russell Wilson a little bit shorter guy, so if you make him throw from the well, he might not see everything. I I feel like you you know there's these these scouting terms and coaching terms when they you know kind of like they call it muddle rush when you're mm-hmm. really not rushing hard, but you're keeping the quarterback in the pocket or keeping as Rod Marinelli say in the well and making him throw. Uh, I will be. I'm, I'm, when I study uh, Jalen Hurts throwing the ball, I really want to see where it is. Where is he completing most of his passes? Is it from the pocket? Is it outside the pocket? So, like gap integrity, you know, uh, you know how you rush. You know, don't get caught. Uh, you know, don't get caught on the opposite side of. You know, you're supposed to be on the A gap and you get knocked to the B gap. Don't you know that's assignment football it's going to be so huge in this game because you know, this is a this is a unique team that with philadelphia because they can run the football and i think they're going to challenge your perimeter game i think they, they've got really athletic guys but i think there's some plans too that when you think about it when you play a guy like uh with kelsey the center yeah. you know when he has to have power on his nose it's a problem for him i'd make him play with a lot of I, and if you play somebody in his nose it gives him – he doesn't allow him to pull and get out in space and get to the second level and things like that. So, um, yeah, if you could power the power the middle of the pocket, drive Kelsey back, and but keep uh, keep Hurts in that – in the pocket and make him throw from there, that could be the – that could be the ticket for some success. It's when he gets outside the pocket and he has the ability to pull the ball down and run. Those are the killer plays that he makes on you. Who's best equipped to do that? You think would that be Tristan Hill? I, I yeah. When, do I power. just play on the nose? Yeah, I, yeah. It's, it's I, I, power. Yeah, I would. I would. This is a game that we'll see what Quentin Bohanna's situation is. Really nice game from Carlos Watkins, by the way. Yeah, he was on, on the tape. Played really well. It's not in the box score, but he but he played well. If you watch the all twenty two. Uh, this is this is where you know Gallimore Watkins if he plays. Put just somebody big, Bohanna. Put somebody big on him that he has to deal with, that he can't help. You know, I, I just I would always have a shade on him, a head up guy. He's the guy that you really have to control because we used to talk about this in scouting too. The ability to cut the defense in half because he could get to the second level. Travis Travis Frederick was the same guy when he was uncovered. He could pull. He could get outside. Uh, when he just when he you know he, he'd step to an a gap, get up on the linebacker. You just can't let Kelsey run free and do these blocks that he's really really good at. So 
make him play with a little bit of power, attack him in the middle of the pocket uh, on, on passing downs, you know, make him have to hold up and see if he could, you know, uh, even putting Osa over him, a guy with some quickness and a little power. I think that'll go a long way with helping you. Next question here from uh, Jake. He's asking how long until we see Damone Clark out there on Sundays. So last Wednesday, I believe it was, is when they opened his window off of NFI. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been about a week, a uh, little mm-hmm. under a week. Um, and you have a 21-day window where they need to activate him or else uh, I believe he's done for the year if they don't activate him. After. Right. He stays on NFI, yeah. And so he'd be done for the year. So he's right. not going to be done for the year. He is coming to play football this year, maybe mostly on special teams, but he's coming to play football. But that would seem to mean that he will at least be somebody that's factoring into the game day and actives as soon as – I mean, anytime this 21-day window, they could get him going. But as late as yeah, – I mean, we're talking about like Chicago – probably the latest it would be. Um, But uh, it's good to see him making the progress he is. He was out there hitting the tackling sled. He's gotten rave reviews from coaches about his demeanor and his mindset and fighting back from this. Uh, I I think the Cowboys would love to have him back contribute on defense this year. I think they feel it's more realistic for next year. I I don't know about you, Brian. I I think when we see Clark, it's probably going to be a lot of special teams early. Yeah, and you know, if you mentioned the Chicago game, because then you would have Philly, Detroit. You say you play them in the Chicago game, and then you have a bye week the following week. Let so, his body respond yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so you get him, you get him some work, you get him some work in that game, and then you have the off week in case there's any any things that are kind of uh, you know lingering or anything like that. But you give his body an opportunity to like, okay, recover a little bit. And then you start, you know, with uh, the Green Bay game after the bye. So to me, uh, yeah, I, I, it's sometimes these things take care of themselves. We'll see, you know, the health of the linebackers. You might need him sooner than later. Sure. You know? But, uh, you know, they've, they've, uh, they've done a pretty good job with the guys. I, I've been super critical on our, our shows on 105.3 The Fan about Anthony Barr. I think there are times when Anthony Barr plays well, but the majority of the time, I feel like he's kind of playing a little bit like he's playing in sand. You know, he, he just doesn't look as quick and reactive as he did when he played for the Minnesota Vikings. So that might be a thing that we get going in the, you know, as we go through these next three games or so that they decide, well, you know, having Clark in there over uh, Barr, you know, that might be something they move on from. So this is a question. This is, we're we're going to cross-pollinate a little bit here because I'm going to have to take a reference from Sean and RJ, our morning show on 105.3 The Fan, and, and explain that reference so that people can understand this question. This comes from Brandon, who listens to this podcast but also listens to our station. And Sean Sharif from our morning show has, has coined the term that those who are big fans of Dak Prescott, he calls them Dak heads. And those who are anti-Dak Prescott, he calls them Dak asses. It's a cute play on words that he does for both of them. So mm-hmm. Brandon is asking the question, you've become Dak heads. I think he, he's more referencing me because he said you like that. But he says, while you guys are fighting the fight with Dak asses, name the one consistent critique of theirs that you do find valid. I'm in the middle and this feels less political. Uh, I, I don't. The arguments in favor of keeping Cooper Rush out there, I don't find valid. I don't think there's a single valid argument to say keep Cooper Rush at quarterback. If you're talking about an argument I find valid of theirs about Dak Prescott, 
uh, something is not right with Dak's decision making and and his ability to read the field over the last few. I agree. Something. I agree. And I know it was a problem earlier in his career, but. When you watch the guy in 2019 with Kitna, you watch the guy at the beginning of 2020, you watch the guy in the beginning of 2021, mm-hmm. that is the guy who's reading the field different and quicker than he was in the second half of last year or the first game of this year. I don't know what's wrong there. And that's the scary thing is I think it's something correctable, I hope. But the scary thing is I don't know what it is. And it, it, I don't know if it's fixable. We'll see. But it, I have a feeling it is because I think it's related to a little bit of PTSD about the injuries that he had and and – he had a similar stretch at the end of 2017 where it just was not working and, and it lasted about 10 to 12 games. Um, and so while I think that's correctable, that's what's concerning is that that is a completely valid criticism over his last 10 games or so is that, you know, the play we always go back to here on this podcast last year in Washington, he just doesn't see Cole Holcomb standing there yeah. this yeah. year when he threw the interception to, was it Winfield who picked it off? Yeah. Winfield picked it off. And if he didn't, then it was going to be Carlton Davis who was standing yeah. there. Yeah. Two people were going to pick that pass off. And so that's the most valid criticism right now is I don't know what Dak Prescott has been seeing on the field the last 10 weeks. Yeah, I think that's the – I think that would be the minimal criticism. I We were uh, we were in studio today, uh, and we were watching Lamar Jackson, and Lamar Jackson throws an interception in the Cincinnati game. And what happened was that they shotgun snap and they do this twirl around where they have Jackson completely turn his back to the field. Yeah. And then he fakes one way, fakes another, then spins back around and just throws the ball to the outside. Throws it right to the Cincinnati defensive back. And you're, you're sitting there thinking, and I, I, sh- I told my guys on the show, I said, that's what happens. That's why you don't want your quarterback. If he doesn't read the field very well, that's why you don't want him to turn his back to the field because he has to find where everybody is again. And I think that's a little bit of a problem with Dak. I think that the clog and cover defenses have given him problems because he's not exactly sure where guys are. He's, he's made some throws where, you know, he's like linebackers, like the Tampa game, the deep drop with a Mike backer, you know, and, you know, trying to get the ball down the seam and he didn't see the linebacker and it was tipped. And, you know, I think that's the thing that kind of terrifies him right now is these teams rush four, drop seven, and he doesn't know where everybody is, you know, and that's that's why you see a little bit of the hesitation, like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. And then he throws it and it's like, well, damn, he didn't see that linebacker buzzing to the flat or damn, he didn't see that safety come down into the middle of the field. You know, those are the things that probably, you know, there's quarterbacks that the, the, you know, the elite ones, the elite ones have the ability to see the whole field and they know how to, uh, they know how to react when, once they see, you know, they trust their eyes, they make the throw and usually they have some success. We have two more shows for you here this week. We will bring you uh, new episodes Thursday morning and Friday morning. So we'll be recording those Wednesday and Thursday night. Uh, hoping to have some uh, Philly insiders on to talk with you guys and uh, preview this Eagles team for us. Big, big game coming up. Uh, but it's a good time right now. Lots of reasons to be happy and optimistic. This team has a dominant defense. They've won four in a row. Uh, it's funny. One of the coaches yesterday in the locker room, I, I saw him. He saw me looking at my phone. And he, he walked up to me and he's like, what's the narrative today? And I said, everybody's just happy. He's like, yeah, it's hard to be. It's hard to be angry after four wins. I was like, that's right. Yeah. 
Yeah, so they know it and they feel it. And uh, I think everybody's riding a wave right now. Yeah. And, you know, and, and yeah, it's you it, it's it is hard to be critical, but you have to be mindful. And, you know, I, I, I I've been super, super critical of this coaching staff, but you have to give them a lot of credit for, you know, figuring out that, you know, it's funny. Once again, uh, uh, Gavin Dawson, who works with you and I, Bobby, on the show, you know, yeah. he said, That's yeah, I'll, I'll apologize I'll apologize to Mike McCarthy, but he owes me an apology too for not getting after Kellen Moore and this staff and, you know, waiting until after Dak got hurt. You know, he owes me an apology for not starting sooner. Sure. So, but that's, uh, I thought it was pretty funny the way he said it, but yeah, they've done a great job to be in a position right now where a win would, would put them with a tie in the division and your backup quarterback has won five straight games, that that in itself is uh, is tremendous to even think about. That does it for us. We will uh, talk to you guys again on Thursday morning. <laughs>